Punk's not dead, and neither is New Wave. Join Buzz and Ben on Static Rage, the Punk and New Wave album review podcast. What the hell is going on around here, Buzz? I I don't know. It's it's almost like we're having some some very controversial thoughts, some suicidal thoughts, if you will. Indeed, and we definitely have some antisocial tendencies that go along with those. Well, you know what they say: antisocial tendencies and those kind of thoughts do go hand in hand. That is true. That is true. The question is: Would we know what crazy we is if um, Charles Manson was eating Fruit Loops on our front porch? And I'm just not so sure. I don't know if that'd be crazy. I think I'd be more worried about the fact that someone let Charles Manson out of prison and out of the grave. So, and out of the grave, that that too. I think that would be a double whammy. It's like I don't know how he got here, but <laughs> we uh, first need to grab your guns and need to grab an exorcist because something is wrong, and he's either a zombie or a demon, and we're gonna find out which one's which. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, as you may have guessed by now, what we are talking about this week is the fifth studio album by Suicidal Tendencies, released on July 3rd of 1990, Lights, Camera, Revolution. And it has a runtime of 42 minutes and 52 seconds. It was released on Epic, produced by Mark Dodson and Suicidal Tendencies. The band at the time of recording was Mike Mira on lead vocals, Rocky George on lead guitar and backing vocals, Mike Clark on rhythm guitar and backing vocals, Robert Trujillo on bass and backing vocals, his first album with the band, and R.J. Herrera on bit drums. This is an interesting aside for those that might follow metal music. Uh, Robert Trujillo is actually playing bass with Metallica right now, so this is a kind of a cool little section on seeing what he was doing before he got really, really famous. Yes, and he's actually, uh, to continue that aside, he is now the longest-serving bassist Metallica has ever had. Indeed. And I, I just uh, before we get back on track here, I, I, I do miss Cliff, so there's that. Of course. We, we might talk about that on a later podcast. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, uh, and I also thought Jason was very good as well, um, although he got treated like shit. But anyway, enough of that. Indeed. So. Indeed. Um, back to this band, which I will add, uh, this was my choice, and one of the reasons I ch- chose it was because we hadn't really done any suicidal tendencies, and they are an interesting band is that they are, their earlier albums, not this one so much, their earlier albums are a lot more punkish, they were considered what was coined at the time as crossover thrash, which was just ma- basically bands that were straddling that line between punk and metal. Um, but this one is much more on the metal side. I mean, really the first one to kind of really embrace more funk than punk in the sound. And a lot of that is due to, uh, at least it's been attributed to Robert Trujillo. Um, I know a lot of a lot of people talked about him bringing more funk into this. Um, and you definitely hear it. Um, one, of the, one of the things about bass players in general is while it may not be the forefront of a band, a good bass player can determine how your music goes, at least musically. Um, there's a lot of people that for whatever reason just don't get it. And it's one of those things, unless you're really into music or if you've ever been in a band, you don't understand how much an electric bass player can just change the entire feel of an album or even a few songs. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that a lot of other people picked up on that too. Um, but yeah, as, as Ben was saying, this is 
it's kind of a it's not a completely different direction than no. what they it might be used to but they're they slowed down a little bit by now um at the same time they haven't slowed down to the point of being like generic rock they're just not as it's less punk now and i think a lot of that is they've gotten a little bit older and kind of grown as musicians so um, but the attitude is still there i mean there is still very much the attitude that even though at this point in their career i think they would be considered more thrash metal but i still would make an argument that they could also be very well considered punk as well yeah, I would too, especially in like the subject matter, because it's not at least for what 1990 was stereotypical, you know, metal topics to their songs. Um, this was still very much about life in their neighborhood and the interpersonal relationships and you know, mental health awareness. This is one of the first bands that I remember, not necessarily. Um, well, on this album as well, but like when we talked about Joy Division and how he, you could really see the the mental health struggles that members of the band were going through in the lyrics to the music. And you can see a lot of that same stuff here in Suicidal Tendencies. And I'm not going to say that that has never crossed over into metal stuff, but it was this was still in the era of um, if it was hair metal, basically being about banging chicks or partying and stuff like that. And if it was thrash metal, it was all like very political or, um, uh, you know, aggressive songs about genocide or, or stuff like that. And and this is not that. This is taking a lot more of those punk sensibilities and just setting them to metal music. Yeah, the um the thing I wanted to talk about as well is if you've if you've never heard any of their other other albums, it's almost like an adolescence. That's not in a bad way. I mean, there, you can, Correct, you can again, you there's you you can tell they've grown by this point. And 1990 is one of those years. It's interesting in this kind of music. Um, uh, this this is the same year that Alice in Chains' first album came out. Um, grunge was just starting to kind of sort of get picked up and become more main like i shouldn't say mainstream more popular more people heard about it um and the other thing is metal really kind of started to slow down um and it's yeah. not just it's not just this band a lot of bands did i mean um one year after this album is released you know metallica's self-titled black album comes out and that's no longer the thrash heavy stuff they were known for um i think i don't know when pantera's uh uh, Cowboys from Hell came out, but it was around this time too, and it almost like picked up from where some of these older bands had had kind of slowed down a little bit. So there's this really strange intersection of I should I don't want to say new bands, but newer bands versus bands that have been around for a few years by now that had some some mainstream success that they're crossing over, and it's just it's a very interesting time period, and it's it's go and listen to a few albums from 1990 from established bands versus newer bands and you'll kind of get a sense of what i might mean by that cowboys from hell came out the same month as this just later in the month so um no but i i agree with all of that because what you're seeing is well so pantera is especially cowboys from hell is is credited a lot with injecting groove into it and starting kind of a groove metal thing which was initially called power metal but that evolved to be something else um and the thrash bands had kind of realized or at least the big thrash bands like metallic and megadeth and thrash and slayer had realized that there was only so fast 
that they could go and push the envelope of thrash. So they were starting to do different stuff. Um, the big one being Black Album, which breaks huge. I have a sentimental soft spot for the Black Album because of the age I was when it came out. I think the first four albums are better than it, but that album was a monster, as everybody knows. I mean, it's one of the, it is the highest selling metal album of all time. And to your point about this, the um, humor in this, uh, although that's not what you, you called it, there is humor in this, and it is of a very juvenile nature, but it's not silly, and it doesn't feel out of place. It's, um, to bring a pop-punk band into it, think of Blink-182, which is way more um, juvenile than this, but it's doing it in a way that really taps into, I mean, crap, I was only, oh gosh, like 11 or 12 when this came out. So it was really right in my wheelhouse. Think also of what Mike Judge was doing around the same time or maybe a couple of years later with Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. Um, so for, for me, this was, and then you, you brought up a good point about um Metallica's album uh, albums like that. And I would even, I would, I would include this one in that, in that same retrospect. Um, they, it almost likes they, it almost like, almost feels like they bring more people into it. And while it may not be their best work, it's still a very good work and it gets you interested in their other things. And that's where I think albums like this and the black album are, have very strong suits because it's that hey it's a little safer than what some people might be used to but we want you to get influenced on this too hey you like it cool check out these other albums yeah and then from there it's like oh my god these guys are cool i want to go see them um that's kind of what this album is like for me um and i don't mean that in a bad way by any stretch of the imagination because this is a pretty badass album um but i will tell you this i like many people remember watching mtv as a young kid and i fucking remember the video for uh and the songs on this album but i remember the fucking video for uh institutionalized yep and i'm like i was like holy crap what kind of music is this this is so cool i want to be like these kids and yeah it's just it it was i i just remember it going like wow this is so cool and then uh i think this is the second album i ever heard from them i think the first album i heard was their uh, third was their third album uh and so I was, I knew it wasn't going to be on there, but I was like, wow, this kind of slowed down a little bit, you know, it's so good, but it's not quite what I was expecting. Um, and I like that though. I like it when a band can do that. I like when a band can kind of bring you in and say, Hey, this might not be our best work, but it's still a good, solid listen. Hey, go listen to our other stuff or your friends will go, Hey, if you like that, check these guys out. And I think every band has one of those, or at least every good band does. Yeah. I think you're right. I think there's a lot of um, gateway albums. And this actually uh, is one of those albums that not only is a gateway to this band, because uh, I, I don't know if this was their most popular album or not, but um, it is. I would certainly say that it is one of the gateway albums. But it also was a gateway to other genres and styles, because this album sounds very West Coast to me, you know, and as a kid growing up and you know nwa had already broke um the chronic was either out or about to come out and 
there's not a whole lot of hip hop on here. I would actually now call it funk, but at the time I just um, would have thought of it as hip hop slash rap or something like that. And so it was kind of a gateway to that genre as well as, you know, West Coast punk. Now, this isn't like the hardcore punk of, say, Black Flag or something, but there is still some of that irreverence and you know, humor slash juvenileness of, say, the Dead Kennedys or the um, um, Milo Goes to College. Um, why am I blanking on their name? Uh, the uh, the, no, the descendants. No, the yes, descendants. Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so it had a lot of that stuff in it that really, at the time, expanded my palate. And I think that's just it. I, I think that's the point that I think you and I are both making. This is that you almost need a starting point sometimes. And mm -hmm. sometimes the starting point isn't the earlier works. Sometimes it's the middle of the road works that kind of brings you in to go, hey, this is okay now. You can like this other stuff too. Um, and and that's that's essentially what it is. But it, yeah, it, this is very West Coast. Um, even their earlier albums is like that. It's very much yeah. like you can tell if you're into this kind of music at all. Um, there was a saying when I was growing up um, back in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, you know, you, you were either into East Coast punk or West Coast punk and same with hip hop. You know, you had yep. East Coast hip hop, which tend to be a little more raw. West Coast tend to be more cleaned up and it was a little more memorable, memorable because of what happened. Um, and in a lot of ways in punk, I tend to be more I tend to prefer more East Coast, even though the West Coast bands are more well known. Mm -hmm. Um and this is one of them where I'm like, I, I, I actually prefer this one in a way um, because it's not like, even though it's a, it's yes, obviously a very West coast style. It's more dangerous. Mm. Um, that's, that's what I always felt like to me is I guess that's the best way I can think to explain it is your West coast stuff was more, it seemed like it was a little bit more politically charged at the time. And mm -hmm. while there is, there are elements of this there, which we'll talk about when we talk about the track, the tracks um it wasn't quite as much as say something like dead kennedy's or even hell even to some extent the circle jerks or right. early social distortion it's not quite to that level and i think that's why i like this band a lot because as i've said from day one in this podcast i like when bands can be apolitical like you can have a position and say it but for the most part you don't get preachy about it and that's what this band does well and another thing they do well and i'm going to bring this up and i might piss some people off and i don't really care um, Mike Murr is very, very vocal about his dislike for Rage Against the Machine, and I fucking love it because Rage talks a lot of shit about their positions, and they end up being pretty fucking bad about the money grubbing. And this band does not, so don't really care who hears it. Someone needs to hear that. I, I think the Rage Against the Machine is a bunch of fucking posers, and I'm glad that I'm the only one that feels that way. <laughs> well, I, and I'll I really say it like again. Rage, but. You know. Oh, I don't dislike their music. I just, I mm -hmm. think them, them as people are like, well, you guys are big on the whole like anti-capitalist kick and here you are taking, you know, taking all this shit ton of money at fucking shows. Okay. I see how those. And again, I'm not the only person that feels like that. Look up Mike's feelings on it. Mike moves. Yeah. He's open about that. So like I said, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only person that feels like it. Oh, they, they are. Uh, you can definitely criticize them of that. Uh, I think you can criticize, um, the Tom Morello part of the band more than you can the Zach De La Roca because he actually like quit the band for a long, long time, which ironically is what kind of made them able to leverage the scarcity into getting huge gigs. 
but um, I don't think Tom Morello's turning down any paychecks, and I ain't hating on the guy for it. So, but I I see your point. Um, but Tom, um, back to to this band, Mike Muir is also like a very staunch. You know, just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it's not any good and kind of a free speech kind of guy, as most of these punk dudes are. So I really appreciate that as well. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. I, I free speech is just that I, I don't want people to agree with me. Yeah, that's that's the point. That's the whole point of free speech. I don't want you to agree with me, but I want to have a conversation and not just go, well, fuck you if you don't like it. I'm not going to talk to you and I'm going to block you. But they're not. That, that's not free speech now you're just you're you're being a cunt you're not that you're not doing what free speech is supposed to it should be we should have a discussion even if it devolves into an argument but like where the worst happens is we both kind of like just chill the fuck out and maybe come back later and go okay i still don't agree with you but you made some good points i mean that that's how free speech should work um and that's again that's why i like this band they mike has from day one been like that and i i have a lot of respect for it and I think I think that's kind of my pull to this band outside their music. Cool. I also always like their skater vibe that they had to them, which also is part of that whole West Coast thing, which I always associated. I mean, not that there weren't dudes like skating on the East Coast or even in Kentucky where I was growing up, but it really felt like a West Coast thing. Well, shall we talk about some songs? I think we should. Sweet. I think we should, because I think we've harped on our like for the spin <laughs> to pretty much uh, obviously by this point. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. This album opens beautifully with You Can't Bring Me Down. I also quite like. Actually, I really like most of these, but um, Malone, Lovely, Get It Revolution, Get Wax, Send Me Your Money, Disco's Out, Murder's In. I mean, that's the majority of the album right there. And the other tracks I also quite enjoy. I like everything on this album. Um, there are ones I like the best, or and I hate to I, I always feel bad about this because whenever I bring this up, it almost makes someone think that I only listen to the very first song. But I think I really do think bands do this intentionally sometimes. I think You Can't Bring Me Down is possibly the best song on this album. Um, it just, it, yeah, there's something about it, it starts off one way and then it just gets really fast towards the end I'm like yeah it gets me fucking pumped up um especially at, like the very end man that just I, I i love how it ends but alone give it revolution get whacked send me your money is fucking hilarious and and it's again that's for that heart part where i talk about it harps a little bit on the political side but it doesn't overstay its welcome which is something i wish more bands would do um, and then Disco's Out, Murder's End was good, and I thought Go and Breakdown was a good way to end the album out as a whole. Um, and the beautiful thing about this is the longest song on here is the first song, and it's only five and a half. It's not quite six minutes, but yeah, that's still, I, I like the fact that these songs get in and out and they don't dwell too much. Well, and that, that first track needs to be that long because they're just doing so much stuff. Because like you alluded to, like they come in with that whammy bar Thing, and then they go into a solo then they go into an acoustic break and then he comes in and he's not exactly rapping but also not rapping something between spoken word and rapping and like and then goes in and, and does the thing and then they it's if you have not heard it and you're going to listen i think you should listen to the entire album but go listen to you can't bring me down to really get what this band is about especially during this era 
I agree. And it's and it's funny to you because the um, it, what we're mentioning about with that song specifically, other than institutionalized, I think this is the one song I hear a lot of people say they really like by this band. So I, you know, may may onto something. Um, I don't think we're on the bandwagon, so to speak, as it were, but I, I, a lot of people I talk to, it's like, if they hadn't heard institutionalized, that would be like the one song they tend to reference more than anything else. So yeah, I, I really like it. The video for it's cool too. If you can find it, um, as you were talking about earlier, the skater vibe, every time they do any kind of video or anything filmed, there's always some kind of skater going on, skater issues going on. Um, and it's funny because in especially their earlier earlier uh look of the band they had this almost like cello-esque vibe to them all which again just appeals more to that west coast and if you just look at them and don't know what their their music is about you might think this is a hip-hop group so it's fucking cool seeing that i like i like when bands kind of do that and make you think oh i'm i'm gonna be expecting this kind of music and nope that's not it i like this now um i appreciate when bands can do that visually as well as uh take you somewhere else musically definitely well let's grade this thing do you want to go first or do you want me to uh i'll go first this time okay i'll go first okay so musically this is getting an a for me everything was on point um the only thing keeping it from being an a plus is there were times where it was just a little too slow and it's not a bad thing it's just like i should have sped this up a little bit um, again, it's not a terrible thing. It's just enough to keep me from saying, hey, plus the music. Um, but everyone in this band's a fucking talented musician. So just the musicianship and the production wise, this is a really, really good album. Um, from the punk perspective, um, while it does slow down a little bit of times, I, I've already mentioned this. I like when you can get political, but not harp on it or get preachy about it. And this band does that well. I also think that you can't bring me down as an anthem for a lot of people. They get fucked over a lot. And contrary to the band's name i have always thought that's kind of a an amusing amusing back and forth like you think okay well they call it suicidal tendencies but they've got this like pro like happy song it's just like oh fuck you you can't you can't you can't do this to me man no fuck that so it's just it's i i appreciate that a lot yeah and every song on here fucking brings it so this album for for the whole is getting just a solid a from that from a punk perspective as well yeah, I can't, uh, you know, I only give the one grade, but I can't really give this anything less than an A minus. Um, and that is only because, and, and this is one of those things where this is the first one or only one that we've done of theirs, and who knows whether we'll do any more, but it doesn't quite live up to some of their other albums so therefore i'm trying to save myself a little bit of room in case we ever do those that i can go higher so i'm going to give it an a minus because I, I agree with you that the playing's on point i love the the wit and humor in the lyrics um i love the inflection of funk in here and the the evolution of the sound as you said all the players are on point there's nothing to complain about here. And that's really it. I mean, this is, I, I I think I've pretty much said all the positives I need to. This is just, when I say this is a solid album, this is a solid album. Um, I, I, that's, that's how I feel about it. Um, even if we didn't do a grade, I, that that's how I'd feel about it. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and go first. I, I would say if you can find this sitting somewhere, buy it. 
you will not be yeah. disappointed. Yeah, I had bought it in the past. I would buy it again. So. So with that out of the box, what are we doing next time, Ben? Well, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do next time, but one thing we are going to do, I think, and we haven't really talked about this, but as we record this, it is 12 days away from Christmas. It will come out after that, of course, not after Christmas, but after we record it. Um, so I think we're going to go on a little hiatus until the new year because we've had to miss a couple of shows due to a couple of different things, such as me tra traveling back from San Francisco last week and everything else. Um, so I think we're just going to take a few days, a few weeks to let the holidays get by, and then we'll come back to our regularly maintained schedule. And I think that sounds like a solid plan. Um, plus, it gives everyone a chance to have some family time if you're into that, or if you're of the religious uh, religious persuasion, getting your various religions and out of the way. Um, I had an idea for a Christmas show, but I decided against it at the last minute because we were kind of crunched for time. So we might do it for the new year. We might not, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we will see you next year. Time travelers. <laughs> yes. From uh, east and west of the Rockies. But what do you want to bring? come back and ring in the new year? Will? What album should we tease? Well, so I was going to suggest this for Christmas, but since it'll be the new year, I think we should do something a little more modern. But okay. um, because it's still kind of the winter, it's still kind of creepy outside, kind of makes me think of a ghost story. All right. I like ghost stories, so let's do it. I like, I like ghost stories, too. And uh, there's there's a... There's a there's an answer in that if you listen to it carefully. Ghost story. Let's let's say that one more time. Ghost story. There's a certain key word or phrase in that that you should pick up on, and you'll probably understand what we're going to talk about. Indeed. We'll but, see you next year. But Merry Christmas, Bahambug, all the good stuff. Yep. Watch out for the Krampus. Krampus knocked. <laughs>